Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us online for our services this autumn. Do please leave a comment or a like, it's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate towards the cost of these services, you will find how to do so in the accompanying text. But now, may the light and peace of Christ be with you all as our worship begins. Jesus said to Peter, I tell you, you should forgive not seven times, but 77 times. It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the 15th Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. 
Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the glory.
in generous mercy sent the Holy Spirit upon your church in the burning fire of your love. Grant that your people may be fervent in the fellowship of the gospel, that, always abiding in you, they may be found steadfast in faith and active in service. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book Exodus, chapter 14. Then the angel of God, who went before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and the night passed without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and of cloud, looked down upon the host of the Egyptians, and discomfited the host of the Egyptians, clogging their chariot wheels, so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then said the Lord to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its wonted flow when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled into it, and the Lord routed the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, the waters returned, and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not so much as one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did against the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the letter to the Romans. As for the man who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not for disputes over opinions. One believes he may eat anything, while the weak man eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who abstains, and let not him who abstains pass judgment on him who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the master is able to make him stand. One man esteems one day as better than another, while another man esteems all days alike. Let every one be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. He also who eats, eats in honour of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While he who abstains, abstains in honour of the Lord, and gives thanks to God. None of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So each of us shall give account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord.
Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the reckoning, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But that same servant, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and besought him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you besought me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant? as I had mercy on you. And so in anger, his Lord delivered him to the jailers till he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Gospel reading this morning comprises a very neat and beautifully crafted parable. The story will, I'm sure, be familiar to many of you. We have a king settling his accounts. We have a servant who is massively in debt to him, who, as a result, faces the loss of everything that he has, even his own freedom. He begs to be given time to repay the amount that he owes, despite the immense scale of the debt. And, quite remarkably, the king, feeling compassion for him, not only shows him mercy, but he does something far more extraordinary than that. He cancels the entire debt, totally and unconditionally. But then the story is turned on its head because that same newly liberated servant goes out, bumps into a fellow servant who owes him a far smaller amount of money. He demands payment from him. He refuses to show him any mercy 
and he has his unfortunate debtor thrown into jail. But then, of course, the unmerciful servant at the centre of this story finally gets his comeuppance when the king gets to hear of his behaviour. And we can all give a resounding cheer as the ungrateful so-and-so is then hauled off to meet a fate that is even worse than the one that he originally escaped. It's a very satisfying parable to hear, isn't it? It leaves us all with a real sense of poetic justice because we see a man who was forgiven so graciously himself, who yet flatly refused to show mercy to the person who owed him a little, get precisely what was coming to him. <coughs> Serves him right. And more than that, we can all sit back and think comforting thoughts about a God who, like the king in the parable, is ready to forgive us absolutely everything, unconditionally. All incredibly comforting to hear. So why is it then that I find this story one of the most disturbing parables in the whole of the New Testament? It leaves me feeling profoundly uncomfortable, which, in my experience, is usually a very good indication that the original point of the story has, at some level, hit home. <clears throat> After all, Jesus told such stories precisely in order to provoke a reaction in his hearers, to stir them out of their complacency, to jolt them out of their comfort zones. And hearing this parable, the most important question that I am left with is this. Did the unmerciful servant at the centre of this story actually recognise that there was a connection between the two incidents, between his encounter with the king and his encounter with the servant who owed him money? Because if he didn't, then this parable suddenly becomes a much more frightening story. It becomes a, much more frightening than simply the tale of an ungrateful man who's punished for his ingratitude. It becomes instead a story about the failure of a man to recognise the truth about himself. A man who is either completely unaware of or completely indifferent to the hypocrisy of his own actions. A hypocrisy that is so glaringly apparent to us, the onlookers, and indeed all too obvious to his fellow servants in the story who inform the king of what the ungrateful servant has done. If you think about it, the way in which the parable is told endorses this too. The fact that the two incidents are immediately juxtaposed does more than simply undermine, uh, sorry, does more than simply underline the similarity and the contrast between them. Remember that the unmerciful servant is actually walking out from his encounter with the king, doubtless still elated by his own very narrow escape when he bumps into the man who is his debtor. So his reaction to that debtor is spontaneous and in all probability quite unthinking. He fails to make the connection between what has just happened to him and what he is now doing. He is unable to relate his own experience of being forgiven to his need to be able to forgive. 
This is a parable that is about hypocrisy and about judgment and about grace. It is a parable that warns us of the perils of being blind to the truth about who we are and what we are. Because such things are not of indifference either to the people around us or, much more importantly, to God. I suspect that most hypocrisy is in fact unconscious because all too often we fail to recognise the gulf that can exist between the ideals that we uphold, the kinds of people we like to think of ourselves as being, and the lives that we actually live. There can be a startling contrast between the treatment that we ask for and expect from others and the way in which, in certain contexts, we allow ourselves to behave. Similarly, there can be an immense gulf between the extraordinary grace and forgiveness that we receive from God and our own ungracious and unforgiving actions towards others. Lord Macaulay once famously said about people like me, the profession of clergyman imposes on those who are not saints the necessity of being hypocrites. In a sense, how could it be otherwise? Because those of us who wear collars like mine remain frail human beings. We are called to proclaim the good news of Christ's kingdom to the world and to strive to live the kind of life that Christ would have us live. And yet, just like everyone else, we too will always fall short of the ideal which at one level is possibly no bad thing. There is nothing more guaranteed to create a dysfunctional family unit or organisation than to have one member within it whom everyone else regards as perfect, because either he or she will be inappropriately adored or inappropriately resented by everyone else. One of my favourite definitions of martyrdom is a martyr is a person who has to live with a saint. Indeed, as someone said to me recently on the subject of saintly clergy, do you know, I've never actually met the perfect vicar. I've heard them referred to, but you always find that the vicar in question has either just died or just left the parish. But my basic point about our frailty applies to all Christians, for we are all called to bear witness to a truth that ultimately surpasses our understanding and to uphold ideals that we ourselves will, in will inevitably fail to attain absolutely, however hard we strive. You may remember that St Paul, of all people, was profoundly aware of this dichotomy in his own life and was himself disturbed by it. Hence his heartfelt plea in Romans 7, 9, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Richard Holloway, the former Bishop of Edinburgh, put the same basic idea in even more provocative terms when he wrote this. The call of Jesus brings a sword 
not peace of mind, because it sets up within us the disturbance of an unrealizable aspiration. The disturbance of an unrealizable aspiration. That might, at first glance, sound deeply depressing. Why don't we all give up and go home then? But what I think it actually means is this. We can, of course, rest secure in the knowledge that we are absolutely and unconditionally loved and accepted by God, regardless of our failures and our inadequacies. That is the message that lies at the very heart of the gospel. But if we are taking our Christian discipleship with full seriousness and endeavouring to live it out, then the presence of Christ in our lives will make us ever more alert to the ways in which we can fall, we can fall short, which can in turn generate a restlessness that moves us to do something about it. And that is how we grow in discipleship and in faith. And the closer we are to God, the more aware we are likely to be of that. Because the brighter the light, the deeper the shadows. Today's parable reminds us that the real problem is not that we make mistakes or that we behave badly sometimes. Because if we, we acknowledge what we have done and ask for true forgiveness, then God's mercy is boundless, unconditional and free. No, the true danger comes when we have lost sight of the fact that we are in need of that mercy or begin to take it for granted and so fail to recognise that if God is willing to be that merciful to us, then that has obvious implications for how we ourselves should behave. Sometimes it is only when we recognise the truth about ourselves that we can truly appreciate the extent of our need for the grace and the forgiveness of God. And those of us who have been blessed in receiving God's mercy must in turn recognise that to be merciful to others is not simply an option, it must become a way of life. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory 
to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray for the victims of the earthquake in Morocco, whose homes and livelihoods have been destroyed, who have had to dig desperately through rubble and move great slabs of stone to save relatives and friends. We pray for the souls of those who did not have a chance to escape. May governments and aid organizations give assistance and funding to the Moroccan people to help them rebuild their lives and cope with the burning pain of loss. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Lord, may the ever-widening gap between the have and have not shrink. May there be no more people scavenging for food in litter bins or along dusty earth roads in nations far away. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray for the people of the Ukraine, admiring their ceaseless resistance for over 500 days of war. We think of the aid workers and volunteers who have been killed or injured during the conflict. May the conflict end in the interest of democracy and self-determination. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We offer ever thankful to the media for bringing tragic circumstances to notice. We pray for those whose work has been censored, whose words and images have been set on fire. We pray for the literary, performing and fine arts reflecting the glory of the Lord and our Christian values. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our own Christian community, we pray for each other, thankful for the companionship of those we knew well and those who are new to our magnificent Wren Church. We pray for the repose of the soul of Richard Vigis Walker, the anniversary of whose death falls this week. We pray for the soul of Eamon McCabe. We pray for Alison, our rector. We pray for Jeff and Steve, our associate priests. We welcome our clergy's friendship and wonderful sermons. We pray for our choir, appreciating their beautiful voices. We thank our devoted staff, Claire, James and Jennifer, for their hard work on our behalf, and our vergers, Robin and Nadira, for their self-effacing contribution 
to the life of our community. We pray for our Sunday school children and Joanne, their head teacher. May the children feel loved and safe, knowing you, dear Lord, are their friend. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, deep in our hearts, we pray for the good life of Elizabeth, who is being baptised here with us today. We think of the words written by the Irish poet Daniel Lawrence Kelleher and recited to the Kennedy family upon the christening of a child born unto them. We wish to the new child a heart that can be beguiled by a flower that the wind lifts as it passes. If the storms break for him, may the trees shake for him, their blossoms down in the night that he is troubled. May a friend wake for him so that his time be doubled. And at the end of all loving and love, may the man above give him a crown. Merciful Father, accept these prayers prayers for the sake of your Son, our Our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Christ is the mystery of suffering. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving. We do not presume 
to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us.
Let us pray. Keep, O Lord, your church with your perpetual mercy. And because without you our human frailty cannot but fall, keep us ever by your help from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his son Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always Amen, Amen.